and bam, it takes literally that long. It moves a quarter inch at 100 yards. It's going to move a half inch at 200 yards. It's going to move three quarters of an inch at 300 yards. Does that make sense? 400 yes. yards? One inch. Okay. Uh, welcome back to the Gun Show Podcast, the gun show by gun guys for gun guys. I'm your host, Scott Fuller, with Martin Davis. Hello. And Seth Fuller. What up? All right. Why don't you start us off, Seth? All right. First thing up, uh, Colt wins the Marsoc close quarter battle pistol contract that was not easy to say but they won it <laughs> um it was a about a 22 and a half million dollar contract um indefinite quantity contract and they won it now this is the, the uh, yeah the 1911 from colt it's the colt railgun basically painted tan i think there are other some other minor changes it is uh it's basically the 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 Marsoc the Marine Special Forces types uh needed a new pistol all of theirs are wearing out evidently and uh this is a good thing for Colt uh it's a good thing for the uh for the Marines uh as obviously they need new pistols and Colt's been hurting lately they've been losing out on some uh some lucrative military contracts uh they've been winning some but they've been losing some uh highly publicized uh contracts yeah and this contract is going to be for four thousand pistols because they're going to charge one thousand eight hundred and seventy five a piece i thought retail on that sucker was like fourteen hundred we got to pay an extra four hundred for the tan paint it's the cerakote yeah oh Oh, wow the government i assume that's going to come with some sort of uh and it also comes with an extra uh, recoil buffer the same one they're using their 10 millimeters it comes with a double. Oh yeah, uh, somebody was telling me that. Yeah, the the recoil system is the system that's in the. Is it just the buffer? Or the whole recoil system that's in the uh, ten millimeter from the what is it? The Delta Elite. Yeah, Delta Elite ten millimeter. Anyways, uh, there is some slight changes from the gun you and I could buy off the shelf from Colt, uh, besides just the paint job. But uh, yeah, nineteen eleven. It's a fancy paint job. Uh, well, yes, yeah, coat. it's a ceramic-type uh, baked-on finish, uh, oh. impervious to everything. Why do you think they chose the 1911? Well, they've I traditionally used the 1911. I mean, they've continually used the 1911. Uh, a lot of people, especially uh, uh, people who shoot people for a living, believe the 1911 is the finest uh, fighting pistol known to man. Uh, I tend to agree with them. I don't think there's anything better. It's a, it's a very fine instrument. But it's limited. Uh, the magazine... Uh, capacity seven right, single yeah. stack that's not a whole lot of weapons too in the modern day and age it has been out out classes in terms of you know volume of firepower from a lot of offerings out there but uh, it still enjoys a real good following just because it's such a great design when it's working correctly well so this isn't any different than what they've already been carrying i mean most um most armed forces carry the beretta correct but this is marsoc what does marsoc stand for uh it stands for well you would ask me that i just <laughs> i just said it uh it's marine special operations command uh basically it's the uh the the pointy tip of the spear for the marine corps okay and they were already carrying 1911s so yeah they've is- been carrying some custom 1911s i i i want to say they had some kimbers come through uh, I think most of them were built by the Marines for the Marines, uh, but they've had some, uh, you know, they get worn out. They've got a lot of rounds through these things, and we've been fighting a war for a little while now. Now, I'm actually a Springfield Armory guy, and this contract came down to the full-sized MC operator by Springfield Armory. So what is your take on that one, Scott? Because, I mean, are you a Kimber? Are you a Colt? Or? Uh, I, I've always been a... Uh, I always fancy the the Springfields on the 1911. The MC operator is a hard thing to beat, especially if you're spending your own money on it. The the, the fact that the Marine Corps went with a Colt isn't, uh, you know, it's not a negative because there's a lot of things that go into these contracts, support, deliverability, uh, that sort of thing, and maybe Springfield couldn't meet it uh, or couldn't meet it as well as Colt could. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with the design of the pistol. I think they're both fabulous pistols, and they can do the job that uh, the Marine Corps needs them to do. Now, the old pistol that they used to use, the MEU, was um, hand-assembled basically by the Marines, correct? Right, yeah. They were hand-assembled by the Marines. I want to say there were some small batches from some companies. Uh, like I said, I think Kimber was one of them, but I'm not, I'm not 100% on that. Um, but, yeah, they basically built their own. There was, a, there was a special, you know, there was a specification for the pistol. Uh, they've been running them, like I said, and this is just to replace the worn-out guns that these uh, Marines have been using. 
All right. So next up, we have uh, the UN Gun Control Treaty. Um, Obama is working with a lot of uh, over 190 countries of the UN, um, and they are trying to um, get a treaty to address essentially importation, exportation, the trade and sell of, selling of guns between different countries. Well, this has got everybody up in arms. This has got everybody, uh, you know, all, all the alarms are going off. Everybody's been alerted. The emails are streaming out. Um, the 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 forums are very active. Uh, this is just, uh, I don't know, it seems the same step in the same direction we've been going with this type of uh, uh, gun grabbing. Um, the UN wants to control all small arms. They came out with a study years ago saying, you know, uh, private ownership of small arms was bad. And uh, I do believe that got shot down because of the fact that uh, places like Canada and America, there is a lot of small arms ownership in civilians' hands. And uh, a lot of people are upset and want uh, things in this treaty, if it does go through as it is, to specifically exclude civilian-owned legal small arms. Yeah, because this is basically um, dealing with military weapons. I mean, in all practicality, it's meant to deal with uh, uh, different countries selling military weapons to each other, as as highlighted by uh, recently, I think, um, um, the Russian uh, right. Russia was stopped from selling a helicopter to Syria, but by force because they didn't have a treaty and there right. was no nothing in place. So, but um, people are worried that there is nothing in the language of one of the drafts that says of the early drafts that say um, it's it's only military. Yeah, I, I don't see Congress, uh, especially in today's political climate, uh, ratifying this treaty, even if it does go through the UN. I don't see it being enforceable. Um, but it is a scary thought, and it's a it's a step in the wrong direction. I mean, uh, civilian small arms have nothing to do with the Libyans and the Syrians and the you know uh, the 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 craziness that goes on in the Middle East and elsewhere in the world. I mean. Uh, why would the UN want to regulate that? I don't think they do. I get that sense too. I don't think they care at all about that. I mean, no, I think this is yeah, that's another knee-jerk feel-good reaction, right? No, I mean, again, it won't hurt to have something in there that says specifically we're talking about military weapons. The problem then gets we we're facing the same problems, which is who's going to define what a military weapon is? Right. What you know? It, well, it the question is, is there really a lack of? something on the books that's enforceable now that the UN can't use? I, I, I From what I understand, there really is not a whole lot. Really? They can sanction people for doing something and they could pass a UN resolution right. stopping certain activities, but right. um, from what I understand, um, there's, not a, there's not a law on the books that necessarily prevents this, and that's why Russia was able to send the attack helicopter to Syria or whatever it was. I don't know. It seems like, you know, there's always a resolution against this or there's always a a, a passage of an embargo or a treaty or there's always something and, and it never main, gets enforced anyway. And the main exactly that's the thing enforcement and oversight is what the bottom line is and if we're not enforcing and overseeing it you know it's going to keep going on. So why, you know, the law is kind of one of those sh- for show things where we're just going to show everybody that we mean business but it's not going to mean anything in the end. The UN essentially not a whole lot of power there anyways the well yeah now is this is this story just a uh just a, something to incite the the populace to uh, i mean we're coming up on uh, an election year yeah. so i think it's oh, one of those true. things that yeah. definitely yeah. obama wants to show that he's being hard on guns right without right. necessarily passing gun laws here in america like everyone's scared of it does apparently according to a lot of sources have gun sales worldwide um, increasing as really? people are afraid of it. Um, See, we know gun sales in America are already up at record levels. Yeah. So this is just pushing it all up there. This is that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting way for the uh, the people are going out and buying guns. I mean. Yeah, it's... and again, I think that this being a hot topic in the media actually increases gun sales. So I, you know, I mean, really, I wouldn't think a lot of gun manufacturers and gun sellers would be um, too mad at this kind of media. Attention. Look for your look for the uh, the gun manufacturers to repost this on Facebook. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is it really that they would be afraid of it or upset? But I mean, it, it does impact them in the future. I mean, if this oh, does sure. go through, you're yeah, game yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, you're sure. you're going. You're I really hope I did something else with my life other than this one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. But I don't think they'll let that happen. I think they got you know 
again, I think especially when it comes to the U.N., we're not talking about a U.S. regulation, and who knows how much we'll have. We'll have to see. We'll see how it really goes. We'll see what the language is. Nobody knows yet. Most of these sessions are closed door. I mean, we just really don't know what's going on. And let's face it, one of these things gets dragged up every three, five years or so. We we see this alert come down the the pipeline. We didn't see it with the Bush administration. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember them talking about UN treaties back then. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. Yeah, but uh, but was the fear or the realization of it possibly happening so high? Um, I don't know. I don't think there was any panic or anything, but I think there was definitely uh, fear and uh, of of the possibility of for sure. Well, along those lines is another story that the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives. <laughs> Sorry, I get kept And very large fires. And Don't chips. forget about very large fires. Uh, released its study on the importability of certain shotguns. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, they have a sporting purpose test as a justification, and they oh. had a list of 10 popular shotgun features um, <laughs> that that would essentially be prohibited from importation, not manufacturing. Mind no, you. it's just, it's just, just importation. importation. Yeah, you can build the guns all day long here as long as they're American-made, but they're prohibited from importation. Or you can't uh, uh, rebuild it in a non-importable fashion, and that's important, too. Yeah, and again, I'm not opposed to this. I think it's not a bad idea as far as it will help the economy that we're producing the guns and not them. But I think it's a little silly that these are the reasons that they are banning the importation is, again, because of a set of features that they have. Well, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, just a, a evil-looking features exactly. ban. That gun looks really, really dangerous. The you most ridiculous part of this, and I don't want to get too far into 922R, uh, part of USC 18, but the most ridiculous part of this is the parts count game that you can play with these guns. You yeah. can take one of these imported shotguns or rifles or what have you. You can change enough parts on it, and parts are defined by the ATF, that it becomes a non-imported gun. <laughs> and therefore it can have all the features. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a parts just, count uh, mix game. and match like uh, Legos or something. It's, it's, it's become a cottage industry. There are people that, that specialize in making U.S.-made parts for these guns so you can add the evil add features. The, Tapco. Yeah, Tapco is one <laughs> of the big ones. Big, 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 big one. Uh, well, one thing that I think some sporting enthusiasts might be excited about is they did put take off of the list forward pistol grips. Oh, well, thank goodness. Yes, the shotguns can come in. Really they can't come in large capacity magazines, but and, they can have I, forward so pistol grips. So I can grips. buy the Mossberg chainsaw. <laughs> well, that's exactly. not imported. Ah, oh, yeah. What is it? made in New Haven, Connecticut. But it's Cygas. a UN treaty goes through. This is about Saigas. This is about that, uh, oh, goodness, uh, that bullpup shotgun coming from Turkey, uh, the Akdal, Akka, I can't remember. <laughs> Uh, it, it, there's too many consonants and weird vowel shapes in those Turkish guns. Um, but yeah, it, this is about those you know non-sporting. And what makes me crazy is the definition of the sporting clause. Yeah. ATF has further come out and defined sporting as what they call a sport. Yeah, like not what a real sp- hunting, real sports. Well, the, you know, skeet sport, trap shooting sport. You know, sporting clays, I guess, is a sport. Uh, your typical IPSC, USPSA. Uh, IDPA, Three Gun, which is really famous around here, especially growing nowadays, not a sport. Uh, it's a very uh, very interesting juxtaposition on the, on the government being able to define what a sport is. It's time for our first interview ever here on The Gun Show. The and, first uh, guest of the podcast. We didn't want, uh, we had criticisms that maybe we were uh, totally one-sided, that you would only see uh, one side of things. So our first guest is uh, actually a knife guy, not a gun guy. So you kind of get the other side. All right, so this is Ram Marampa <laughs> from Zero Knives. Is that correct? That's Zero correct. Knives. How's it going? Uh, hey, how's it going? I've known Ram for a while. Uh, we've been friends and uh, saw that he did some really cool knives uh, and uh, got a hold of him, and uh, here he is. How you doing, Ram? Not too bad. And to clarify, I am a gun guy, too. Oh, but I can't you are make a gun guns. guy. But you have a shirt that says guns are for amateurs. Well, the truth Just is true. Just to incite <laughs> the crowd. No, I like it. I like it. It's, uh, it's con- confrontational. It's so, you, so you are a gun guy, too. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming that you sell some of your knives at some gun shows, I'm assuming? No, not not too much. I mainly sell over the internet through a, uh, a forum called the Usual Suspect Network. 
I sell the majority of my stuff on there. Okay, I've actually heard of them, yeah. yeah. How did you um, get into knife making? A camping trip. We were going to go to a cam- on a camping trip to uh, New Mexico, and in typical fashion, I went to go look for a knife, and before I knew it, that's all I was thinking about. And within about eight months, I'd met a custom maker here in Dallas. His name was Larry Davidson, and he showed me how to make knives. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Did you just uh, like apprentice under him essentially? Or pretty what? much. I mean, I, I did all his, all the stuff he didn't want to do in the shop, and before I knew it, he was walking me through making a knife. I just wanted to see it, you know. Before yeah. I knew it, I was actually grinding on steel. So uh, what? I mean, you said you learned uh, how to make a knife. What are the things that you started doing, and what are some of the steps to making a knife? I mean, where do you start? Where do you stop? Um, I use something called I use a method called stock removal. There's Really, two basic ones, and it's, it has to do with the knife steel itself. You either forge a knife, or you take a, bo- a block of steel and take everything else out. It doesn't look like a knife. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, you know, I start out with fixed blades, but that's all it is. You take this bar, cut it to shape, you grind the bevels on it, slap some handles on it, and that's a knife. I'm, now, assu- I'm assuming that's a little easier than forging a knife. Would, would that be fair or no? I mean, I think so. It's equipment-wise, it is. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, less equipment. Board. <laughs> it's, it's a little cooler. A few, few less yeah. fa- face burns, facial burns. Well, you'd be surprised. Okay. <laughs> so, what kind of shop are you set up in the garage to yeah, make, uh, make my, your neighbors angry? <laughs> no, actually, well, it's Texas, dude. I'm oh, not the well, loudest guy on the block. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, you're, no, not, you're not tuning up your hot rod on the weekends, no, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, compressor wins any day as far as lower noise levels. How, how long have you been doing it? I started, oh, hell. I get this question asked every time, and I, I, I give different answers. <laughs> I think Just it was guess. 02 or 03, and I stopped for about four years. Just I got burned out. Oh, I, really? That's well, not... Really, I took up Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is what it was. Oh, <laughs> hey, I'm spending there. all your time rolling. So you got a different hobby. That's what it was. Pretty much, you yeah. Can, I mean, you know, you probably usually only get one good hobby at a time. If you got one more than one hobby, you're probably not doing either one right. I'm but, always envious of people that have like six hobbies. And you're yeah. like, really? I don't, how do you? I must I not be married that. or That's the key kids. thing. Yeah, no kids. That's for sure. Are you? Do you have kids, Rom? No. Oh, well, that's why you make all these things. Well, are you married? You're married, <laughs> married right? Yeah. I met your wife, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. You, you, your wife uh, approve of the knives oh, or yeah. make her crazy? Oh, no, she loves it? I mean, it, it was the... We were in an apartment when I started messing around with all this stuff. That can be challenging. <laughs> yeah. And then it kind of led to us getting a house. So she's like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> she got a house out of that deal. That's I a didn't fair trade. I did pay for any of it with I knives. Like but I like that. How many uh, different types of knives do you make? Knives, knives, knives. It knives. depends on what you... <laughs> You're knife, the one that went to college for like years. <laughs> uh, how many different kinds of knives do you make? Uh, the, the two main kinds are fixed blades and folders. And okay. I, I mainly make fixed blades because they're easier. And most knife makers are lazy, so uh, that's what they're going to do. Well, you brought yeah. some goodies for us here, and I at least see a uh, butterfly, what, what yeah. people would call a butterfly knife. Is that what you call it? That's I mean, I'm assuming a butterfly there's... knife, belly song. Oh, okay, Bali song, yeah. Beautiful. I'm Filipino, so what are the uh, what are the handles here made out of on this uh, Bali song? That's a uh, G10 also. Oh wow, it's really wow. That's kind of a that's a I've half made that. That was a collaboration with Larry Davidson, the oh, okay. man who taught me. He made the handles. Oh, I was um, gonna say they're gorgeous. It's it's you know I would have sworn they were uh, wood, but yeah, yeah, they're G10 made to look like uh, bamboo. Well, he was he's a little different in that he's he was a tool and die maker first, and he used ah. CNC equipment. So that's how that was made. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I like it. Um, <laughs> how uh, how do you decide which knives to make? Um, really, what what's in front of me that day? I mean, sometimes okay. I'll go out there and just cut out about three or four different blanks and get to work. This is a horrible interview question, but I have to ask it. Do you get inspired by certain things? Is there certain, you know, you watching TV and you say, ooh, that's a good idea? Oh, definitely. Or, okay. Well, you, you, I mean, when I first walked in, you mentioned that war club. Oh, yeah, That was yeah, literally yeah. like hours after I saw Last of the Mohicans. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, I like that. I like that. That's, that's good. good. That's, good. that's yeah. a pretty decent chick flick. That's one of those chick flicks you don't have to be ashamed of. Right? It's not a chick flick. It's dude. not a chick flick. Yeah, oh, people, I thought it was Michael Mann chopping people's heads he, off. It's he ran, awesome. He ran under a uh, waterfall with uh, girly music playing. I thought <laughs> oh, that made it a chick it, flick. It, it, it can't be. It has some balance. It out. Effeminate parts. 
Okay, so for our listeners who obviously won't be seeing this, we will be posting up on our website a few pics of his nice, but more importantly, you can go on Facebook, correct? You're on Facebook? Right, that's the easiest one. And search Zero Knives, Z-E-R-O, Knives. That's it. And I'm sure we'll have links on our website and on our Facebook, and we may even tweet this thing. But if you look at the photos, you'll see these are uh, tremendous... Uh, knives, they're they're professional looking, as professional as any I've seen. Uh, do you ever do you take orders? Do you take requests? Do you? Uh, everyone, uh, I I usually don't, but um, couple I I did fill a couple of orders. These guys were waiting for a a knife for years, so I I took that on, and uh, <laughs> I actually did the blade show for the first time, the big oh, knife yeah. show. How was that? I've that heard was a lot about awesome. that. Yeah. So that's like the shot show for now. Except yeah. anybody can get in. You don't have to fake being the media <laughs> to get in. <laughs> that media pass was legitimate, I'm told. <laughs> Scrolled in the back of a playing card. So how was that? That was cool? That was like that was, Mecca for you? It was awesome. You? Yeah. I was going to say, did you meet some of your heroes there? Because yeah, uh, there's some big names running around there. And that's, that's the thing is that most of these guys are really cool guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is cool. Where do you get the steel? Uh, is it do you order that yourself, or is there a place in the Metroplex that has the steel? Or? I do order. There actually one of the big service centers, steel distributors, is here in Arlington. Oh well, that's oh. handy. Yeah, that's nice. really cool. Yeah. Uh, and do they come in giant sheets or? They normally do. Okay. For what like do you buy? real makers, they come in like 36 inch by 24 inch sheets. Holy oh, wow. moly! I get like <laughs> scraps, basically oh, something okay. drops so off. You oh, pick you pick up oh. the scraps, so, so they don't have to cut it for you either. You you get their scraps. I like that. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll order something that's cut so, made to the order. Do you have a specific steel you like to work with? A specific steel you like to use? Yeah, I pretty much I do my own heat treat, right. which is the key oh, to yeah, knife yeah. making. Oh yeah. So I've I mean, I don't want to mess with that, so I use I try to use CPM one fifty four with pretty much everything I make. Oh okay. Yeah. For the pure amateur, the heat treating essentially makes the steel strong. Correct. Yeah, I mean it, that's what we're talking pure, about. Yeah, the heat treating makes the steel however you want it. If you want it strong, if you want it brittle, if you want it a mixture of the two, that's what you do with that's how, yeah, the heat treating uh, probably more important than the steel itself, wouldn't you say? Oh, most definitely. Okay. I mean yeah, you can yeah. take a decent steel and if you do it right, it'll for what most people do. I'm not going to pretend I know exactly what happens in that. <laughs> I, just, I just do what the book tells me to do. <laughs> so <laughs> you use a my, formula, right? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. There you go. Nothing yeah, One of my that. buddies is a mechanical engineer, and he started waxing poetic about heat treatments one day. And hey, I, I lost, man, he lost him. me after about six seconds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure it's interesting to somebody. <laughs> so um, how much do your knives cost if someone wanted to buy one? Well, they're custom. All so right. no, we know they're going to be expensive. That, we yeah, about that. that's that's code for if you have to ask. If you, you have to ask, it. but um, for the people out there who have the money, not me, um, <laughs> we're just going to shoot you I and take that's all what your knives. Uh, no. Oh, you thought oh, you were going to make a sale? You came yeah. over to sell. It's yeah, like a Tupperware like, party, but with knives. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, but so uh, you know, give us a general range of of what your knives run. Uh, fixed blade. It. I usually. I usually. Set the pricing based on size. Sure. So like four inch, pardon me, four inches to six inches, it's going to be two fifty to three twenty five or so. Smaller ones, I'll go less than less than two hundred bucks. Folders normally start about four hundred dollars. For you know, for what I know about custom knives, that's not out of line. That's I'm and, kind of and, one of the cheap ones. For and sure. looking at uh, what you brought us here, it's definitely not out of not line. Not out of line. It's, a, it's very nice stuff. Um, you said Thanks. you got some of the the parts at, on online. Is that correct? The, right. The, the the small parts. What what website do you use for that? Um, there's a really nice website called usanifemaker.com. They got a ton of stuff. Knifekits.com oh, okay. is real nice. Yeah. All right, so let's say this uh, flywheel one over here. Mm-hmm. We got, and you can go on his website and look at the pictures, and they're the flywheels. Uh, how much does that? Uh, would that run you? Uh, about one seventy-five. Okay, that's so that's the cheap. That's, that's like the door prize one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like uh, this one. Is light. Uh, people probably use this as an everyday carrier or a neck knife. Even this is mm-hmm. uh, this is pretty neat. And uh, you you make your own sheaths. I see here. This I one do. comes mm-hmm. with a Kydex sheath. Nice. Pretty much everything but the uh, small parts, the screws and pivots and for the folders. Yeah. I pretty much make everything else. Do you uh, uh oh what do you call them the 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 rivets I guess it's not necessarily rivets but uh, use tubing for some of the scale mm-hmm. holding on some of the scales You can use tubing and you basically glue the you epoxy the scales on ah. there or you can use uh, chain ring bolts right so guys can take them off if they oh, want to Oh right yeah people like to mess around and make their own Yeah 
That's Do you still fun. have the war club? Is that yours? Or you it's actually it sitting in the foyer of my house. Oh, nice. so if you bring your kids over, let piece? me know. <laughs> was that easy? I, like I mean, that. there wasn't a lot of metal on that, correct? I mean, oh, I but it was it, a pain. I was going to say, the work in the woods got to be more difficult as working the metal, or it, it's easier. But I mean, yeah. you're working with a bigger piece for one. But it's, oh, yeah, it's I, I mean, I have piece. a real basic. I don't have a mill, so anything that works right. on that different axis where you got to inset a blade, mm-hmm. I did that with a drill press and a file. You know, I mean, it's not advisable. Yeah, yeah. that's a little time-consuming <laughs> to do it right. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, it's just like anything else. We, of course, have tons of listeners, I'm sure, who paid a lot for, who would pay a lot for a custom gun, and custom knives are, are no different. You, oh, sure. You know, the manufa- mass manufacturing isn't there, but you're getting something that's handmade that's definitely quality. Um and and generally they're worth it if you can afford it and if you like knives and I think a lot of mo- I know Scott over there loves knives I'll tell you that he doesn't leave without three of them I was that that is not true <laughs> it is absolutely true yeah three knives and two flashlights is like your minimum carry oh yeah flashlights that's another one are you into uh, flashlights allegedly everybody is if you're into knives and guns that's not part you're into of flashlights so Scott one time at work we actually had you. Pull out and count every knife that you had. I don't Do you remember. Rem- no, yes. I don't. This no. Yes. <laughs> what was the grand and total? The, I, it came out <sighs> to about three or four, and no. I do remember okay. vividly. He was he was like, I think he was at three, and he reaches into a pocket and he goes, "Oh no!" And he pulls his keys out, and on his keychain <laughs> he had a knife. I have a little. My keys aren't <laughs> sitting here, of course, but I have an itty bitty uh, spider co. The little what? I oh think yeah. It's a butterfly on my keychain. That that's actually the knife I've kept the longest because it's on a keychain you can't lose it. Uh, what do you do when you go into like a place that you can't bring a knife? See, my problem is I went into courthouses and got away with carrying uh, a very strange-looking knife. Oh, artifact. Yeah, yeah. It was it the was artifact. artifact. Yeah. It's, what was it? The Gerber artifact. It was a multi-tool that had a little exacto yeah. um, blade. Oh, okay. It, but it's, it was yeah. very strangely shaped. It looks kind of like a can opener or something like that. And what and did you do with it? I, I left it on my key. Oh, when I got caught, he made, I took off the blade first, thinking that would be enough. But the guy was like. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you have any other blades in here, either, which is one pretty much one piece of metal with one little right. blade on it. So I go, well, there's nowhere else I could have blades. Like, I don't know what that is. So Was this a conscious decision to, to bring this in? Or you no, just no, I just had it, it on my – it's one of those things that, you know, it's nice to have a multi-tool yeah, and a right. blade on your keys. Um, so I just had it on my keychain, and <laughs> I got it through the metal detectors, and no one bothered me. And finally, one guy kind of caught me. Uh, I, to answer your question, I went outside, threw it in the bushes, and recovered it later. But I never put it back on my keychain, so I don't. I don't really carry any knives. So how do, do you, you smuggle weapons into the courthouse? Now? <laughs> That's probably <laughs> bad. I cannot advice. tell you. <laughs> Uh, as as the you, podcast lawyer, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't do that anymore. I'm advising you not to answer that question. <laughs> All right, well, um, I think the key to going in a courthouse is to throw your knife you forgot on you into the bushes, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. At that courthouse, you, you, you do see somebody digging through. I bet you that you can find four or five knives <laughs> in a little planter outside the courthouse. I know you can find some roaches. I wouldn't recommend it with a zero knife. I, yeah. I, I suggest you leave <laughs> yeah, it in no. your car, no, preferably in your trunk. <laughs> um, so if our listeners say wanted a knife, could they go on? Could they order a knife that you have on your uh, on your Facebook page, or you know, if they could they order something from you? You mentioned uh, a dealer was going to carry some of your knives. Are you, right. are you planning to be you know stocking at some dealers or? Hopefully, yeah. Oh, that's, okay. That's, that's the goal is to yeah. if. I really try not to do orders, but if I was going to, I would do it through dealers. Well, where do you sell your knives? You sell the knives, right? I do. Oh, what you said a website? What website? It's do you a. Sell your it's knives? called. It's usualsuspect.net. It's the usual forum. suspect form. Yeah. Usualsuspect.net. So if they go on there, they and you're selling a knife, they can buy. It the from the you. best way really is either there or Facebook. I I I pretty much have this. Whenever I make something, I'll post pictures up on Facebook first, and then the USN a few minutes later, and okay. then there's a for sale forum there. Um, oh, okay. that I'll put it up on. I think oh, okay. part of what he wants to know is, is there any of the knives that you make that someone can say, I want this exact one, and you can duplicate it? Or are you going to go off and say, look, I've, that's done, I'm an artist, and I'm moving on to something else? Well, I'll probably make it again. 
but I'm not going to – usually I won't say, hey, give me your name and I'll, I'll get back. It's, uh, it's a terrible business model. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. No, it's I not like meant it. for making no, money. I like it. I'm saying it, it keeps people wanting more. That's what it is. You're an artist. It's sure. Just, there you're you a knife artist. Yeah, yeah I mean, you got to be temperamental. The, yeah. yeah. And yeah. if they're buying their art off you, it's uh, it's in demand then, right? And they know like, that they're uh, – Maybe this is the new signer of the knife world here. The new signer? That's awful. <laughs> Don't compare anyone to Are you comparing to Arthur? Oh, we got to talking about signer i'll make it when i want to i'll make it when i want to there's a guy who took orders and then charged you five bucks to check on your order are you serious oh, wow. yeah he was awful. i heard stories but i never oh. knew any specifics i think he ticked i off met enough, the guy i think he really? ticked off enough people yeah i forgot about that i think he ticked off enough people that they actually sick the uh the attorney general of this florida oh, wow. florida on them for for actual fraud, I guess Except they had the enough. trade practices. Yeah, they had enough complaints on them where they went after sure. them for fraud, and oh, then wow. they raided them, and then they dropped all the charges. I guess they didn't have enough to convict them on. All but, right. uh, yeah, the guy was a bad business. So the answer to the question is, like your Facebook, wait for you to put out a knife. When you put out a knife, they message you, ask you how much, fork over the cash, and they got a knife from you. There is you go. Correct? If it's available, I'll, I'll put up everything that I make as available. Well, let me ask you this. Um, knife or gun? Man, I gotta go with a gun. <laughs> just, I have no skills with a knife. You know? Really? Like, yeah. Really? But he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu blue, blue belt. belt. Well, yeah. You're, you're Filipino, isn't that a rule? You're supposed to know how to oh, stick I mean, fight or I'm something. I'm sure if I like, I saw that he can throw fireballs, fight. but yeah. he can't fight. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, talking about. I can just have a really bad, reckless attitude. <laughs> All right, so you want to stick around for a little bit, do some news with us? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. that'd be great. Cool. So. Uh, next thing, sticking with our, the next thing, sticking with our earlier theme of selling guns, um, an XAV SEAL got nearly 18 years, like 17 and a half years, um, for smuggling in um, military-grade arms from Iraq and Afghanistan and selling them here in the U.S. Um, his name is Bickle, um, and he was sentenced. Uh, to federal prison for 17 and a half years and basically he was bringing in uh, machine guns, explosives C4 and the like and then selling them and this was all from the you know Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah I saw early this morning uh, a news story broke that one of the guys he was uh, selling guns with or to or whatever it is um, was getting no time in exchange for his uh, testimony. He was pleading to something and getting uh, home confinement for six months, nine months, something like that. Yeah, so was actually, obviously these guys have turned on each other and somebody's going to jail for a long yes, time. Yes, there was uh, several several of his um, co-conspirators um, pled to um, probation in exchange for testifying against Did them. they retrieve all the mer- materials? Uh, it does not say that they retrieved all the material, so it doesn't look like I know it. the the stuff was at one of the guys, not the SEAL's house, but one of the other guy's house. Yes, at his friend Richard Paul, who I believe is one of the people who um, copped a deal. Yeah, that um, was the name I read he, this morning. Um, they found five pounds of military C4, um, but it doesn't say anything lot. about... Um, doesn't say anything about uh, him them recovering the rest of it, so I assume they're out there somewhere. Who do you sell five pounds of C4 Who's to? He's probably stuff? selling it a couple ounces at a, at a time, like S- any good dealer. Selling it to the like at a taco joint. <laughs> like an ice, he, gets, he gets an ice cream scoop out, and he's like one scoop or two. Yeah, does he yeah. sell it to the ATF so they can sell it to the Mexican drug cartel? <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, Breaking Bad's ending after this season. That may be the where they pick up. Where they pick yeah. up? Yeah. Now he's doing C4. I like that. I like that. Uh, yeah, so um, what do y'all think about this? Deserve to get uh, get sentenced to that much time? That's a, that's a long time, but you can't be messing around. And, and this has got to be uh, a lesson, right? They're making an example of them for the other GI types, especially those, those top-tier guys that you can't get away with bringing home guns and selling them. Yeah. But everybody else is walking, you said? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And we, I think uh, last podcast we t- had a similar story of a guy smuggling one weapon in, and he got right. a little bit of time. And uh, I recently heard a story about a guy smuggling, and uh, he didn't get any time. He just got a slap on the wrist. But this was, you know, obviously serious. They're trying to make an example out of him. And, I mean, the C4, that's serious Yeah, stuff. the explosives no. probably make people really upset. Stuff, yeah. 
Going on to the next story, uh, this is a, a pretty fun one. A pro-gun group in Chicago went to, I think it was an annual um, Gun Save Lives campaign where it was a gun turned in for cash. Oh, I like this story. And they took a bunch of uh, old, non-working rifles and handguns, a lot of them that they collected from all, from all their group members that were no longer usable. No and questions they, asked. Yeah, no yeah. questions asked. Gotta love that kind of turn So they in. turn them in exchange for the cash. Um, actually, it's gift cards. So it's uh, $6,240 in gift cards. Holy and they, moly. <laughs> How many guns did they turn in? A lot. That's a, a lot of a guns. Lot. And if, and if, it's like, if it's like GameStop trading values, you're getting nothing. <laughs> you're getting nothing. Exactly. <laughs> they give a dollar yeah, a Ten gun. of the guns were manufactured before 1898, by the nice. way. But those may have been worth it. Who knows? Those may have no. been antiques. No. 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 <laughs> no, if you look at the picture, they're all pretty funny. It looks like there's a starter pistol in there. <laughs> that counts. Uh, it's pretty good if you look the story up online. But anyways, they then used the money to run a NRA-sponsored shooting camp for kids, and they used it to buy more guns and more ammo. That's oh, that's awesome. good. That, that's beautiful. So they literally took the old guns and used the program supposed to get guns off the street to buy to fund a kids' camp. So yeah. I mean, it's a warm story. It's a little it. in your I've, face. I've a little obnoxious. But... I've seen where it made some people very angry. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, what's funny is uh, somewhere, hold on, it is in Portland, they're about to do a uh, Guns for Gift Cards turn-in, uh, their annual oh. Guns for Gift Cards. So. Maybe maybe we should get together a bunch of folks and help out some kids get shooting. <laughs> they're probably going to be gift cards at Target now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I would do. I mean, I don't know what. No guys, more Visa giving out gift the cards. Visa gift cards. The Visa gift card. That's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, not, not to mention iron points on my Cabela's card. <laughs> All right, so the next story is, uh, I thought, pretty interesting, and uh, one of my alma maters uh, is involved. Um, at the University of Texas, um, some of the students there um, did, did a demonstration where they spoofed a drone. Um, and the way they spoofed, they spoofed it is they fed it false GPS information, and by doing that, they could control the drone. Oh, <laughs> I get it. They just took over the controls of it by... by telling it it's not where it thinks it is exactly nice. and by doing this they were able to control the gun drone remotely and here's the best part you could not tell from the the drone with its uh, fail safes and security could not tell because all you're doing is feeding false gps information hmm. now is this one of the new uh texas department of public safety drones or is this um, a nice uh, federal <laughs> law enforcement drone or? so apparently they actually <laughs> didn't use a drone they used a drone computer oh. attached to a um, remote uh, control uh, helicopter and just showed that it was possible. I don't think they had. The so they money didn't take over it. Something actually in service. No, I think that would they be would a little bit of probably a not a crime. <laughs> <laughs> just I a was tiny say, federal crime. Now, if they could take over one of those drones flying out of Houston, that would be impressive. Yes. <laughs> now, are we talking about a drone that no one is actually watching or controlling? Then. Um. A sen- well, I think. Because if, if you're it's all a, watching it autonomous, in, exactly. Then, well, then you could all you'd be doing is sending it from point A to point B. Now that would be dangerous if we had strike capabilities on those drones because we could say this is the GPS you should be attacking. Right. I think what exactly. they can do is tell it it's not where it thinks it is. So basically, you say I'm not at this highway. I'm too far south, so it goes too far north. And yeah, now you've exactly. basically taken the drone off its course. Now here's but the th- if you have a human operator. That's, operating that, then they would they would notice the error. That you, oh, you they might hope. not. Here's the question, though. I mean, I'm off in Afghanistan. When I'm, I'm playing Call of Duty, I know <laughs> when I'm not where I thought I was. <laughs> well, yes, in Call of Duty. But if you're but flying a drone you off to Afghanistan and you need... No, no, not that hut. The other hut. <laughs> well, um, that's true. They're called compounds. Know. Yeah. I think they, they even those guys probably rely somewhat on the GPS. And oh, so I'm sure. I'm sure if you spoofed it and it was the first time, now, it throws somebody way off. Supposedly, the reason they showed this is because of the upcoming civilian drones, and they wanted to highlight the dangers that could happen with uh, the drones that will be flying over U.S. soil, I think is what That seems pretty dangerous. Was. A bunch of potheads at UT will take over a drone whenever they want <laughs> yes. to. <laughs> I mean, how complicated is the system? The burnt orange I'm is sure flying it's pretty the drone. Yeah. We're in trouble. It just, just lands itself in the middle of a A&M game. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's there like a go. drone army heading up to OU. <laughs> Well, like Iron Man just, 2 all over again. I thought again. it did just get it, get, them, get it to bring them back munchies or something. You 
Uh, no, it Can seems, they do that? Uh, yeah, that would be a good, that's a good <laughs> use for a drone. Um, no, again, yeah, the, I think it was kind of a um, – just to show you the dangers of it. If they could do – okay, so to answer your question, I think you asked how, how complicated the system is. Apparently, it's really complicated, and it has lots of fail-safes so that if someone takes over the drone – Immediately, it tells everyone that this drone is taken over and they can um, uh, remedy the situation. However, if they're just feeding it false GPS information, you have no way to know. There's no cross-check to know that that is false GPS information. I just realized this is a lot like the movie Real Genius. Oh, the laser. Wow. The laser popping the popcorn. Holy moly. Did you just go there? Real (laughs) Genius? Yeah. What year was that? Before I was born. (laughs) Wow. I barely remember that. Val Kilmer's best role. All right, the last story we're gonna should be pretty short and sweet, uh, and because it pre- it's mostly visual. But if you haven't seen it, you should go online and check out radio. a uh, visual story for a senior podcast. citizen. Uh, smart. Sh- shoot, shot uh, two armed ro- uh, robbers in um, Jacksonville, Florida, Internet Cafe. I oh, actually saw this, yeah, yeah. and if you watch the video close enough, you can awesome. see the sparks of the rounds hitting on the third camera view, hitting yeah. the ground next to him. Oh yeah, that was that's a great At video. An, Internet cafe? Yes, that was Man, it was doing well. <laughs> no, it's okay. They, the police found out because the guy was tweeting about it at the internet cafe. <laughs> yeah, so the, it's a big because this guy was 70, 71 years old, uh, which is pretty old. But uh, An internet he cafe? Was he playing Starcraft? <laughs> I don't know. No, he's probably it, playing online bingo. Right? Yeah, I don't know. It looked like in the video, it looked like more like one of these uh, video arcade halls than an internet cafe. But, well, yeah, huh. what do I know? He he definitely was shooting like an old Wild West movie, kind of pointing and pulling the trigger. Oh, yeah. he was willing it? Yeah. But to be fair, he hit both of them. He hit both of them. They were caught in the hospital later on. See, this is a lesson. And how many times did he hit them? Um, it, I didn't say. It just said they were both in the hospital. I believe it was for, one time, if I remember this, right, and this, he expelled pretty much every round he had. He said three to six shots is what they say. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's he's real precise. Yeah, it looked like he had a little kel <laughs> 380, 32-looking thing. It's only 100% margin of <laughs> error. <laughs> hey, why don't you watch the video and count them? <laughs> that's true. So All right, a, everybody. Was... We're going to count them as we watch. <laughs> no, that's bad pod. <laughs> so it was a kel you said? Was <laughs> was it? No, it, just, it looked like it. I mean, you can't tell. It's it could a be anything. Pocket oh, pistol. so it's on tiny. that is our uh, probably our final story, which is uh, Celtic's gonna start oh, making yeah. guns again. Yeah. Good segue. Well, that's that's a, your best segue yet. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm getting better. Um, so no, pick up from it. Uh, so Scott, you you're the one I first saw post this. Why don't you tell them uh, what the news? Yeah, is? Uh, Celtic came out on their Facebook page said, "Hey, look, everybody. Uh, sorry, we haven't been making many ni- uh, guns. Wow, no, I'm stuck on knives." Good, we haven't like making it. any guns. Um, we've ordered more machines. We're making more guns now, and look for them in the future at a dealer near you, which is uh, good news because uh, the offerings from Caltech, while being very popular and, and in high demand, have been few and far between actually for sale. Well, because their guns are cheap. Right, they're well, some of them. portable. Yeah. Well, we the know the availability part. of plastic is very limited. <laughs> so I think it has to do with the machine. You got to remember, Caltech isn't just a firearms company; they're a machine shop. Right, they do a lot of machining for other people. Uh, I'm sure there's priorities into you know, do I do this job for this this other people machining whatever, or do I make more guns? And so I think that's what the more machines are for. And to be fair, they are doing what a lot of manufacturers are afraid to do. They're afraid Expanded. that this is going yeah, to be a bubble, and yep, they right. invested and expanded. And they make so, real unique stuff, too. Yes, I mean, they, they do. have people want their stuff. Oh, for so you sure. can't they do till Ruger it copies it anyway. <laughs> oh, did I say that? <laughs> um, yeah, you so, didn't have to say it. Everybody I mean, knows it. They're doing what a lot because everybody's running out of stock, and it sounds like they are the ones who answered the yeah. call and built more machines to get more stock. And says and that apparently they don't think this is a bubble, or at least they have enough work that it's not going to yeah. be a bubble for them. I, I think uh, I, it's it is risky. You know, you could lose your shirt if they make uh, civilian firearms ownership illegal tomorrow. But uh, you're probably going to lose your shirt either way, I guess. And uh, who knows? Caltech may be one of those companies that doesn't run on leverage. Uh, they may have had to save up the money to buy this equipment. Well, if it was a leveraging deal, they've overplayed their hand a little bit. Cause it's <laughs> it's kind of it's worked against them, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I think maybe that maybe they just think that. Uh, 
I think they'll Obama sell. Obama is every going to be reelected. Is that what no. they're betting on? That's uh, maybe they should uh, donate to his campaign. <laughs> 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 but uh, I still think Caltech's going to sell every pistol that oh, every yeah. rifle and every shotgun they push out of that. I mean, think, well, yeah, they gonna... doubled it. Now they're doing twenty a year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what were you gonna say? I think the exact same thing. <laughs> Great minds think alike. It's good stuff. Good or, stuff. I should start making knives. <laughs> that's what that Please tells don't. me. Please don't. <laughs> All right, so that's it for uh, current events. Ram, tell us a little bit about you and guns. You kind of talked about your knives, and then, uh, let us know what kind of guns you own. I I got a pretty diverse collection of guns. All right, what you got? Not uh, that to was, get that was it. awful. That was it. it's okay. <laughs> no, no. We'll I have guns. Work. What do you got? Yeah, you have guns. What kind do of you guns? Have, do you, uh, you can tell us where your safe guns. Oh, I got man. I, I fell into the whole. It's you know, I fell into the whole mall ninja thing at first. Oh, good I just stuff. bowled a bunch of crap to my guns, and then <laughs> yeah, now like you look it. at them and they're just you know, they're, uh, hopefully they're pretty standard. So are you more of a uh, handgun, shotgun, rifle, I long like range rifles? Yeah, rifles are fun. What kind of rifles? Bolt action, semi-automatic, black Semis. rifles. I got a, I got a, I got three ARs, AK and SKS. You know the typical there end of the go. world type yeah, stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Very nice. Yeah. You need it in Allen. You know. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. That's a yeah. Ooh, hotbed of crime. Yeah. There. Right. You, you can't go to the <laughs> most dangerous <laughs> suburb in North. You can't now. go to the Neiman Marcus without putting a pistol in your pocket. <laughs> What did you do to your ARs? Did you, you say you bolted a bunch of stuff to them? Yeah. I mean, it's typical stuff. You put a Flashlight and E-Attack, yeah. Vertical Pencil sharpener, laser, <laughs> bottle, bottle opener. opener. So now ah. I... <laughs> they just high-fived over that one. <laughs> That's good pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all this stuff that ends up in a drawer in about six months. Uh, do, you, do you get a... <laughs> with all your knife making, do you get a chance to go out and shoot? Yeah, actually, you oh. know, when there's a bunch of knife makers around here. And they all shoot. Oh wow! They're all hell. They're all white, so they're all gonna shoot. <laughs> <laughs> white Texans. <laughs> I like Guaranteed that. Guaranteed to yeah, shoot. Yeah, so I actually found a pretty a nice public spot to shoot with these guys, and we had a great time. That was that was about three weeks ago. It was a so lot it has fun. to be in public, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, there has okay. to be there have to be witnesses. By public, you mean a college campus? <laughs> <laughs> Away from any trees. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, do, you, do you have a particular gun you're uh, you're enamored with right now? You got one you're saving up for? Man, it's it's the same as it's always been. I, I love the 1911. Oh yeah. All right. What well, we actually Scott and I discussed this, and I asked him. I'm a Springfield. Right. I got so one. So what are you? Are you Kimber Springfield Colt? Because because the the uh, the MSOC contract was won out by Colt, it beat Springfield. Okay. So yeah. wh- how do you well, feel about that one? They well, didn't really go into why or how was, it was beat. But were they Springfield's made? Where were they made? Were they the? No, they're made here. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, they, they were. They the were in South the contract. American, they yeah, out won. They they were beat. I don't out. know how they were. So yeah, it was one of the ones coming out of the custom shop. So it would have okay. definitely been made in uh, Geneso, Gen- Illinois, or Illinois. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Illinois. Place. <laughs> yeah, that's the place. Yes, is silent. So you have more I, than one 1911. Yeah, I got I got a actually I got a cool one for my shout out to Plano Pawn Shop. Oh, those guys out there! Job. Yeah, I got a uh, 1947 Colt that's beat to hell. Oh, nice! But it's uh, hopefully when I get a job, I could uh, a real job. <laughs> I get it redone by the factory. But you know, they all they all shoot the same. Well, that, that's not true. When they, they do all shoot, feel the same. Yeah. Oh, well, that's And true. as well as or as poorly as I shoot, they all shoot the same. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> the sights on that 1947 gotta make it difficult to oh, hit yeah. anything though. It's you know, those old blade sights. When I was really getting into some of the guns, Scott, I asked Scott, I was like, well, "What do you think about this gun? Or what do you think about that gun?" He, his response every time was, "Well, I'll shoot you." <laughs> And that's pretty much where he always left it. Well, 99% of the time it's true, yeah. I mean, you really you get into the nitty-gritty of it. It's a bunch of comic book dorks talking about how this is graphic novel. Oh, now you've upset. That was a sore spot. Twice in two podcasts. Yeah, the thing is, I've noticed that. I mean, and I I'm lucky enough to know one or two people that can outshoot some of the guns that you can go buy out there, but there's not many of them. No. I mean, you're going out there and you're trying to either hit a target or get a golf ball to move. You know, I mean, it's not. So uh, home protection, uh, handgun or shotgun? Shotgun and a cell phone. 
Yeah, I yeah. like the cell phone. Wait. Good. Uh, yeah. Do you, you throw cell the cell phone first and then shoot him? I'm confused. Oh, yeah. Okay. I just imagined you'd had the uh, cell phone attached to the shotguns. <laughs> oh, how do you know it's not? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If I've learned anything, you call 911 first and then you scream, Oh, no, he's coming after me. And then you shoot him. Right. And seven to ten minutes later, <laughs> he's coming after me backwards. <laughs> He's what are you tag. doing? Why are you showing me your back? Get away! <laughs> now, uh, so, what, 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 so that's my setup. What, let's go around the horn here. Oh, uh, I'm uh, I'm definitely an AR nut. Um, I kind of pared down my collection years ago. I try to be as pragmatic as possible. Uh, I do like a lot of different guns, but mm-hmm. uh, I tend to stick with Glocks for uh, you know carry, home defense. Sure. You know anything you need a pistol for. My three gun gun is a Glock. Um, oh, three gun. Yeah, yeah. I like to shoot some three gun. Um, uh, you know, um, Mossberg pump action shotgun for home defense. Very nice. Can't be beat. You know, bolt a flashlight on it, full, full buckshot, and you're good to go. Um, Don't get the cell phone. What, yeah, and the cell flashlight phone. and the cell phone. Flashlight and the cell phone. I get the feeling y'all are making fun of me. But no. <laughs> I know, you Not know, all of us can afford cell phones. That's all we're trying to say. <laughs> Honestly, it's probably you, you make you make a very good point that probably is overlooked so much. Everybody worrying about what ammo to stick in their shotgun or what uh, what choke, what sights to put on it, what buttstock. But oh, hey, do, do you have a do you have a charged cell right. phone? You know how to shoot the your shotgun? Yeah. Oh well, they, well that's important too. Well, we won't we won't get into that. <laughs> you got a gun, you don't need a damn cell. Phone. <laughs> I got a gun. I'll take your cell phone. <laughs> you shoot the guy. Look, search for a cell phone. Just don't shoot the cell phone. Yeah. The uh, no, but yeah, I, I try to use pragmatic. I shoot a lot of uh, combat marksmanship for my Air National Guard unit. So we do a lot of that. I've got some guns to go to parry with and shoot some fun matches. I think you saw one of my uh, yep. my vintage rifles. I like to go shoot. Um, but yeah, I like to keep it uh, pragmatic and uh, try not to collect too much stuff that I don't end up shooting. Boy, that's. That's and anything happened. he collects, I buy off of him. <laughs> well, that's um, true. <laughs> that's which, which goes, which basically goes to my my home defense is you know is a pistol. It actually is. Um, I prefer a pistol. I can carry it. I can. I have better control over a pistol mm-hmm. than a shotgun. Um, it also, <clears throat> you can stay more compact with a pistol. Right. So that's what I prefer. Um, now I'm a very big proponent of ARs. I enjoy them, uh, but living where I live in an apartment, it's not really the best decision to own an AR when it can go through, you know, a few walls right. and hit somebody else. All that, you know, innocence yeah, is, yeah. is you can own it. Just don't thing. shoot it inside. <laughs> oh no, I own it. I just won't. I don't use it for self-defense. I use my pistol. So do you right. do you go through all the box of truth and all these different sites not say, oh, really yeah, not really i just mainly what i do uh, is yes. <laughs> mainly <laughs> scott ma- yeah scott does mainly what i do is i get up in the middle of the night in my underwear and i get my gun out and i just check and then i go back to sleep right. that's my box that's, of truth that's, that's my boxers system. of <laughs> truth is what that is that's awful target oh boxers of truth. that was bad what about that uh, revolver, Seth? Do you still have um, that one? No, no. You have that, I uh, have, that bear care, for, home for home protection, I have a um, large dog and an SKS. And a wife. <laughs> a dog. And a wife. <laughs> yeah, you're going to stick your... Seth's going to jump out with his blue belt and uh, <laughs> tackle... Oh, you're purple. purple. You're purple. purple. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. Should be brown, you, should be brown. <laughs> Somebody seems to When see I one. shit myself when the robber comes in. <laughs> Let you see how you handle yourself. Seth's going to put him in a flying triangle. I saw that on YouTube. That's the only yes. reason I know what it is. Seth <laughs> learned it from YouTube as well. Yeah, I did. I learned it from YouTube. Same same channel. Same that's, channel. that's not on Box of Truth. They don't, they don't do that. He tries to see how many how many uh, drywall layers he can punch through. Yes. And he's like... How many jugs of yeah. water you could triangle? No. That so my plan awesome. is when the robber comes in, my wife's going to be holding a board, and I'm going to punch it. And when he sees the power that went through breaking that board, immediate fear, he runs away. Oh Don't need a gun. No, a, I have an SKS. Get your, get your brother a gun, dude. Oh. No, I no, have he, an SKS. Well, he got me No, he's gun. gotten him plenty of guns. He's got yeah. He's also got me another gun that may or may not have been thrown away in the trash but um, and then reported 
and then report. <laughs> report to whom? Um, the proper authorities when you dispose uh, of a gun improperly. Of course we but I, did. I have two boxes of ammo for my SKS. I, I used to only have like a box from like 1943. <laughs> Well, I got you. It was what? Czechoslovakian. Yugoslavian. Yugoslavian. You sure? Yeah. You have a Yugoslavian SKS. I bought you a matching box of ammo because well, it was cool. Oh, that's, yeah. that's very cute. Where did you get another yeah. box? Seth Seth keeps his cell phone so he can call his brother. You bought a box of ammo? Yeah, I've read a box. You sure you got the right kind? Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. I'm, that's yeah. awesome. Did you look up <laughs> Yugoslavia on a map to see if you could still find it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I finally, I'll tell you what, it was, in, it, it was in the Cosmoline until probably about a year ago. I finally yeah. took it out and cleaned it out and did everything. So have you shot it? Yeah, I shot it. Did you, you guys shoot it? Yeah, we went out. I didn't know you went shot it. You yeah, that's why I bought the box. You tell me these things. So you shot five rounds through it, so yeah, you now have exactly. eight yeah. rounds That's the most ammo. you can shoot in your backyard for the neighbors called the cops. <laughs> no, I just shoot it through the wall. No problem. Um, no, but uh, it shot, yeah, so I went out and shot it. But That's I a family it like tradition, shooting it through a wall, isn't it? When was it packed away? When? What year is that gun, Scott? You should know this. Oh, it, it, those things were used, you know, in the uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina conflict really? over there. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's a bunch of them that have carvings in the stock and all wow. sorts of stuff. They were probably made in the 70s or packed away in the right. 70s. I was going to say, uh, mine was made way before that. Yeah, I don't remember. We looked it up. 40, was it 60-something? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, we looked it up one time a long time ago. But, uh, yeah, they were packed away. And uh, the great thing about Yugoslavia before it sl- split up is the uh, when they had stuff packed away, they pulled it every five years and inspected it hmm. and then repacked it. That's why those Yugoslavian guns are usually in great shape. It mine's in really good shape. Yeah, yeah, good looking rifle. That's a great gun, man. I love the SKS. I have yeah. a little Norinco. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I got. I bought a Lorenko back in the day. But Seth, yours is probably almost worn out with those five rounds. <laughs> yeah, man. No, Check no, the no, rifling no. on that. I, I should. I you should. need to replace the stock with a Tapco T6. <laughs> I know you, where you can you, get one. You need to put a very cheap four-power scope on it, and then no, don't don't. Do I'm just that. gonna don't duct tape a cell phone to it. <laughs> You can't use regular duct tape. You have to use OD green duct oh, tape. I'm sorry. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize. It works. 200 mile that, an hour tape. That's that's my <laughs> extent of my guns. They're, they're fun to look at. I found. Oh man, I had to get I gun had porn s- or what are you talking about? Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, actually, porn. I say that, but it actually drives me crazy to look at the guns that I haven't shot because I'll oh. take just a, oh to just look at your guns. Oh, that's what you're saying. I'm yeah. telling you, I had to get rid of them. I mean, I I, I justified keeping some of my guns because. You know, the AK, I kind of justified that for training purposes. Come on, I'm in the sure. Air Force. That's, yeah. that's never going to happen. Wolverines, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the SKS was one of my first guns, so, you know, sentimental value. Everything else is pretty pragmatic. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I had to get rid of some nice CZs that uh, oh. I just never shot. A really nice Glock. You could probably it find those nice at the Glock. Plano Podge. <laughs> <laughs> I sold the co-workers. That's what's great about uh, where I work. You just, oh, that's you just ship yeah, them. You just, a pun. He didn't you just hold it up and you, uh, hold it above your head and say, "Hey, I want uh, four hundred bucks for this." And somebody go, "I'll take it." I, I basically walked around with one of his guns on on my hip doing yeah. doing my job, and I came over and I go, "You gonna sell this one?" And he's like, uh, "Yes." <laughs> and I bought it the next day. I brought cash the next day. I took it home. Somebody that hit day. somebody up at the uh, right amount of time. <laughs> now he was crying at his desk, so everything <laughs> seemed to fit. I had to pay for uh, a lawyer or something, something. law related, something yeah, legal something related. You pay for lawyers still? That, that uh, don't listen. To <laughs> That's not right, man. If he's paying a lawyer, I, a I need to go beat up that lawyer for my money. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Give me my money. <laughs> Give me my money. So, so you actually sell guns? Uh, I work at a uh, uh, online retailer that sells a lot of guns. Oh no, 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 but no, no I don't. No personal guns. No, I pretty much. Uh, I, like I said, I pared down my collection. I made it real pragmatic. Uh, got rid of the CZs. Kept the uh, Peretta. Because oh, I oh that sounds backwards. I know. No, did, I know. did you okay. watch what? your tongue, young man? <laughs> the reason. 
honestly, I, I didn't shoot my CZ75s because I have to shoot the Beretta in competition. So I have to stay up on the Beretta. I go shoot a CZ75. I, I go back to the Beretta and I'm ruined. Right. It takes you know 200 rounds before I'm hitting the target again. So do you? Do so I never shot my CZ. So I, I you know I just I was looking at it. I had two of them. I love them so much. I had two of them and I just said I never shoot these things. I'm just gonna pare it down and uh, stick with the basics. So there is regret there. Whenever. Oh yeah. I miss some of my yeah. I, I got rid of a Makarov that I miss all the time. Oh no. You know it's not a great carry gun but there's nothing gun, wrong with way. it that was one of my favorite guns the macro yeah. that's a good gun i thought it was a great carry gun. you I should go it. online and search for people selling them because i hear ridiculous. some people have good prices on them oh, really? <laughs> so let's, i hate to go soft core but can you describe your macro <laughs> well, i i had a bulgy mac uh, gently gently, uh, gently. it uh, it shot about uh, six inches high oh. at, <laughs> at 15 yards other than that it was a great the thing it's it's like a the the it's like the AK forty seven of small pistols, it you know it was clunky it weighed a little bit more than it needed to especially compared to pistols nowadays but the thing just ran and ran mm-hmm. and ran and it was a little unergonomic with the the heel release, uh, but uh, oddly enough the uh, the slide safety goes the right direction, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, yeah it's a Great little piece. I, I encourage everybody who's looking for something, especially at the price point. I mean, they're just over the two hundred dollar mark. Yeah. Well, I mean, you get the CZ eighty two too. Yeah. Is, there's a lot of the CZ eighty twos and eighty threes out there, and some of them in surplus market, some yeah. of them brand new. You can get a hold of. That's another good buy. Uh, the P sixty fours are out there right now. Oh, People can pick God. them up. Yeah, have you shot one of those? I've never shot one. I got a. I mean, the eighty-two can. After a while, you get a little tired of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixty-fours are. Yeah, uh, they're. Or, uh, they look a little small to be shooting that Makarov round out. Yeah. A little snappy. <laughs> I had a, a friend of mine who swore by him though, because you could actually fit that one in your jeans pocket, right. and he liked it for pocket <laughs> carry. So, just for everyone's knowledge, what's the difference in the Makarov and the Parabellum? Uh, the the Makarov was uh, basically the Russian version of the the Walther German uh, police ultra round, and it's basically a shorter, slightly larger diameter version of the uh, the nine millimeter Parabellum, and uh, so they're not really interchangeable. The Makarov's closer to a 380 than a nine millimeter, but just a little bit hotter. Uh, you, you know, all practical purposes, you could say they're about the same round ballistically. The 380, you mean? Yeah, uh, the 380 and the 9x18 macro, yeah. Uh, It's a good little cartridge, especially nowadays. We're so lucky to be living in the time we live in where the ammo you can get for that thing, you can get all sorts of craziness from Buffalo Boar. Uh, oh really? Some, yeah, they got a hard cast, a hundred huh. grain thing that's moving really quick out of the macro. I don't know the numbers in front of me. It's a um, little cheaper than 380. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, <clears throat> what about firing lead bullets, like not jacketed, uh-huh. non-jacketed? Yeah. And then turning around and firing jacketed rounds. That, oh, that was kind of a hot topic here for a yeah. little while, and a lot of people were talking about it'll make your gun explode. Yeah. I mean, I think it's much ado about nothing. Everything that I've seen. You know, especially in person, I've never seen any, you know, problems with any of those guns, you know, exceptions being somebody who puts the wrong type of bullet, you know, builds their own lead bullet and put uses the wrong hardness of lead. Somebody who comic book dorks, do <laughs> yeah. Somebody who uh, graphic novel. I forged this bullet myself. <laughs> oh, I've seen guys out on the uh, the the high power range. You know, these guys are supposed to know what they're doing, and their rounds are exploding coming out of their barrel because they're using the wrong twist rate or wrong. I mean, it happens. But as far as everything I see on the internet that says you can damage this and damage that, it's just that it's on the internet. You could chalk 99% of the stuff out there up to improper reloading techniques. What about the Glock uh, exploding controversy? Is that the same thing, or is that? Yeah, that's, a lot yeah, of people shoot reloads. A lot of people shoot lead through a Glock, and the polygonal rifling doesn't like the lead. And supposedly there's some lead buildup, and you get uh, higher pressures, and, and some of the calibers, especially the 40, it'll it'll blow the Glock mm. up. It's just not made to hire, handle the higher pressures. Now, whether or not that's an epidemic, whether or not that'll affect everyone, whether or not that'll affect you i I, you know you got to follow the manufacturer's recommendations but 
there are still people out there on the same internet that swear they shot 20,000 rounds of lead ammo through their Glock and had no trouble. <laughs> no, we talk about that, you know, blowing up, but we I've seen Glocks being shot underwater, and you would have to assume that there's a lot of very high pressures going on inside that barrel. I mean, you're talking about the pre—other than having a round jammed into the barrel, you have an obstruction— Completely. Yeah, water is not yeah. compressible. So, so what's go? Wh- wh- why would a little bit of lead all of a sudden make your Glock explode? It's just you're you're running on such a high pressure, and you're talking a reload. So the guy may be loading it hot anyways. You know, you don't know, you don't know exactly all the variables. It's way outside of the industry specifications. There's no telling what could happen. A, a catastrophic failure in any gun can happen i mean these are man-made objects and we're all fallible <laughs> so you know all, all, all probably every make and model gun out there blows up it's just glock sells the most of them so that's what we see the most of right? and you know talking about you know humans being fallible i was I, I was at a range one time and i was watching a guy and he every time he had an ar so he had 30 round magazine and every time he picked up one of his rounds he put it next to his ear and he shook it and finally, I, I asked him, I said, what are you doing? He's like, well, these are all hand reloads, and I just want to make sure I got, you know, uh, gunpowder in each one of these. Oh, wow. And I just stared at him, Why and then I walked away. Why did him before he went out to the range? That's because, scary. well, I think part of it is... is, is no, just give him a the, shake. Just give him a shake. I can, I can the, uh, it Don't worry, just give him a shake. It's yeah. the availability of all this reloading equipment. I mean, in all honesty, a lot of this stuff has come down greatly in price. Um, oh sure, oh, yeah. and you know when you have that, you got a guy that you've got a book that's you know fifteen hundred pages, and the guy goes, you know, like the knife guy right here, he's like, oh, I just need to read ten of them, and I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It works. Yeah. Knives don't blow. Yeah, I was about to say, his, I doubt his knife has ever blown up. All right, thanks for coming in, Ram. Appreciate y'all having me. That was a lot of fun. No problem. Uh, first guest ever, so. Uh... Yeah, you'll have to come back in uh, in in a certain period of time, and we'll have to reiterate yeah, this and see how we'll we've do done. A, we'll All do right, check. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for coming in. We All appreciate right, thanks. that. Thanks. I want to remind everyone to like us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/gunshowpodcast. Follow us on Twitter at gunshowpodcast, and visit our website at www.thegunshowpodcast.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Dom Fight Gear, makers of Dom Pro Cut, the all-natural weight loss supplement that gives you the same fat-burning benefits as most weight loss supplements without the harsh side effects. Go to domgear.com or domprocut.com and at the checkout enter in gun show. That's all one word, gun show. You'll get some free swag and you'll be helping the podcast out. <laughs>